Welcome into Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here. And the Knicks play basketball again today. Back from the All-Star break. That's great news. But hopefully there's some great news about the injuries too, right? Because there's a lot of those going into the All-Star break. There's some updates on the more minor injuries that the Knicks had. And then updates on the major ones. Julius Randle, OG Ananobi, Mitchell Robinson. We've got all that for you. Plus a second quote-unquote half preview for you next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks, and this this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. And I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us part of your daily routine. Make sure you hit that subscribe button in both places, of course, on your podcast app and YouTube. Then hit that notification bell on YouTube and auto download on your favorite podcast app. So you never miss an episode because we're here for you guys five days a week, even during the All-Star break, sometimes more. So you never want to miss an episode if some big news comes down, like perhaps some huge earth-shattering injury updates soon enough. Anyway, I'm Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at strict.land. He's Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster, favorite play-by-play broadcaster, and your Knicks make their return to action today. Uh, seems uh, seems like simultaneously a lot of time and no time at all has passed, Gavin, since the last time that we saw the Knicks. Uh, but some news coming out now over the last couple of days about the injuries that the Knicks were dealing with. Um, I'll just give the the minor ones first. Uh, the the minor good news, which is Isaiah Hartenstein, Dante DiVincenzo, Bojan Bogdanovich, all are practicing again and all seem like they're going to be back. So I don't think we need to talk too much about that because they all just kind of had some minor injuries right before the break and got a little extra rest there on top of their all-star break. But the big, big news has, I think, been Julius Randle since uh, since things have kind of ramped back up here prior to returning to play. Yeah, I mean, he's he, he's like, look, the Knicks aren't contending for anything. Like, I know, I know, we had we had DJ on, and he was getting into the idea a little bit that Bojan Bogdanovic was an an insurance move for the New York Knicks, and I I, I think I probably agree with that. That like the Julius Randle injury shaped. In, in part, the Knicks' decision to go after him, someone who can nominally play some four, um, perhaps over some other targets that they had, and, and making him a priority. And and yet, he's he's not going to be the difference between the Knicks like getting out of the first round, getting out of the second round, like getting out of the conference finals. Like only Julius Randle can meaningfully elevate the Knicks um, in that way. So all these conversations that we're having about how good this team can be, how they're going to be good, what kind of decisions Tom Thibodeau is going to make, who's going to step up, who's not going to step up, they're all sort of irrelevant if Julius Randle is not healthy at the end of the day. And uh, the consensus today on Julius Randle, I, I would say, was was overall positive with maybe a little bit of negative uh, mixed in. Um, the, the headline that I think got the most attention was from Newsday um, and, and Steve Popper, which was um, essentially saying that uh, Julius Randle did not uh, rule out season-ending uh, surgery. Um, 
and we've like there there were two different questions he was asked. Like one was if he need surgery in the offseason, one was if he would need surgery um during the regular season. But the quote on that was asked if there was consideration to have season ending surgery. Randall said, I mean, we'll see. There's still necessary steps. It's a process to everything. I have to weigh out everything ultimately and decide from there. But right now I'm just focused on trying to avoid that, obviously, and get back on the court as soon as I can. Most people took this as doom and gloom, but Popper went on to add that he spoke with a league source who didn't rule out the possibility of surgery, but emphasized that Randall has been working out without any setbacks, that surgery is an option if something goes wrong in the rehab. Alex, to me, this was this was sort of a whole lot of nothing because it was essentially what we already knew about Julius's injury. Yeah, all it reads to to me is like, Sort of similar to what happened with Julius with his ankle last year in some ways, right? Like, I think I can play through it. And, you know, obviously we saw like he was clearly still hampered by the ankle all throughout the playoffs. And, uh, you know, he came back, was playing pretty well, finally finding his stride and then sprains it again against the Cavs. And then obviously the Heat series just looked like his body had sort of failed him, unfortunately. You know, with spraining the same ankle twice is no joke. I mean, we saw that he immediately had to get surgery like within days of being eliminated from the playoffs. So, you know, I think we're sort of seeing something similar here where it's like, I get the feeling and the Knicks will never confirm this, but that the diagnosis was probably partially torn labrum, which means that rehab is an option and you don't necessarily need to get a surgery. And if it was you or I that did that, uh, myself having gone through this injury once in my life, you know, they kind of present you the option of do rehab, see if you can get yourself back up to functional, uh, you know, if it ever happens again, then we'll entertain the idea of surgery because, you know, for a normal person like you or I like to get something that's partially torn repair costs us thousands of dollars that we probably don't have, you know, and it's like you if you can avoid spending thousands of dollars, you do that. In Julius's case, I wouldn't be surprised if surgery is just the plan regardless in the offseason because athletes have unlimited resources available to them as far as as far as you know getting surgeries done because that's just kind of part of their part of the game the knicks have a great relationship with hospital for special surgery like all this other stuff like it's basically free for julius randall to get a surgery and it's in his best interest to do everything to just repair everything to the fullest because he's a professional athlete uh and he wants his career to be as long as humanly possible and he has the resources to do it so uh and a few thousand dollars for him is nothing (laughs) you know so i think Ultimately, that's what I'm reading off this is like, sure, I'm not ruling out surgery because I might get surgery after the season. I might also get it during the season if I dislocate my shoulder again or something. But in the meantime, I'm just trying to rehab and get back this year, play through the end of the year, and then probably have some stuff to address in the offseason. That's that's at least my read on all the quotes and everything that's been coming out. Yeah, that, that's that, that's where I'm at too. And and look, at the end of the day, like I think I think the biggest fear here is that he is going to play and he's not going to be quite at a hundred percent. Um, I, I, I do think one of the risks with an injury like this is you come back and you're playing a little bit more tentative and it was something DJ and I were getting into last episode. Like, all right, if you get Julius, like, do you get the full, like absolute monster battering Ram version of him? We've seen this season where I, I mean, for my money, like he he's embraced his physicality in a way that he, he hasn't on the Knicks. I'm up to this point. Like I thought last season was probably the closest thing to it. And, and this year, like it was shocking that he even took it up another level and said like, all right, I'm going to take, um, like I'm, I'm, I'm done being a high volume three point shooter. Like I'm, I'm basically like as eight foot and in guy for 75% of my shot diet. And, and the fact that he's been extraordinarily effective doing that, but it's just so contingent 
on his willingness to just be a bully on a night to night basis. And I, I just think everything we know about Julius Randle, like we, we've certainly questioned his effort at times. We've, we've, we've questioned like his decision-making. I don't think we've ever really questioned the guy's toughness. Like I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not super concerned about him coming back and not playing at full speed. And again, maybe that backfires and maybe it results in him re-injuring it. But the point is if Julius isn't close to full speed, like again, like I, I just don't think any of this like super duper matters. Um, there was also a quote from Tom Thibodeau saying he's doing well overall, but he just hasn't been cleared to practice yet. He's meeting all the markers is moving around pretty good. So just taking it day by day, we're just taking it step by step. I think it's premature to say anything until you have all the information right now. He's preparing to come back and he's putting a lot into it. He looks good. And it also came out that he has been working out um, twice a day and he, he's been having meetings with Tom Thibodeau to go over film um, and, and feels like he's been able to improve in that front. So overall, like it's like, again, it's nothing, nothing new, but it, it just sort of feels like every, like the vibes are like, ca- I like, I think cautious optimism is, is, is my ultimate takeaway from all this. I don't know. Yeah, I think so too, especially like coming from Julius's mouth and from Tibbs. I think that's what mm-hmm. they're both saying. I mean, the fact that Julius was like, kind of like making jokes about it too, like being like, yeah. And being like, when do you expect to be back? He's like, April 1st. It's like, haha, April Fool's. You know, he immediately was like, no, that I don't mean that. Like, I'll be back sooner. You know, I, I think that things are tracking well, and he's basically just waiting for the all clear from the training staff, would be my guess. Yeah. Um, I will say one thing that that intrigues me a little bit with regard to what you were just saying about if he might come back tentative. It it is it is interesting to think about because it's not a shooting arm, which I think bodes really well for the jump shot. And yeah. bodes well for the fact that he should feel perfectly comfortable taking threes, should feel perfectly comfortable, uh, you know, taking like middies when the situation calls for it. Uh, and just from the perspective of making a full extension, should feel comfortable on layups. My mm-hmm. only issue is, unfortunately, I think like when you're going for layups, what you're lowering that you right end up using more is your yeah. off arm because yeah. you're using that to clear space. You're using that to kind of make this like, shove out motion which is a shoulder intensive thing or even just like throwing your shoulder into someone sometimes from the front which would be the problem way for julius uh i I wonder how much that is going to affect him because that's that's sort of your your non-dominant arm is your one that you use the most for the most physical work yeah like also that's like his main move like we got to say that yeah, is to just kind of throw his weight around. So mm-hmm. I think he's going to have to feel confident in that too. I mean, granted, some of that can be supported by you can get it's a little difficult, but you can like between like rock tape and like they make like a certain like a brace that would probably be legal NBA wise. That's just sort of like not much different than like a knee brace that you just kind of like strap into. They can kind of hold everything in place. And as long as they deem that it's not going to like work as like a like a battering Battery ram, ram form. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which it won't, you know, like hopefully he'll be able to wear something like that too and have a nice elaborate tape job along with something over it to kind of like give him that extra little peace of mind on his off arm. But yeah, that'll be the most interesting thing to me to see how, if he finds any reluctance with trying to clear space like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I I'd hate to be Jaime Hawkins and see, see that, uh, like metal plate, like coming at my face after what he happened. He just gets like um, a suit of armor. It's like, yeah, a, yeah. he was, like I mean, he had, look, like, he has, like, Jaime Hawkins looks like an old, old school knight. Like it would, it would, it would be, it would be a fun, fun matchup between the two. If they, if we, we, maybe after the season, we can get them both on horseback and, and settle this the old fashioned way. Um, but there were some other injury updates. Um, uh, and, and we want to get into the implications of all of them and how the Knicks are, 
able to hold it together because to me that's that's sort of the biggest question the rest of the season until Julius Randle comes back. Um, but before we do that, we want to tell you about our good friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. Yes, and when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. And look, I've never really been in a position to hire anyone. Uh, maybe someday. Maybe someday in my life I'll be in that position. I don't know. It's a lot of pressure, though. So hmm. who knows? But I've certainly been the one that's been trying to get hired a number of times, the job seeker. And from a job seeking perspective, LinkedIn always put the most interesting opportunities in front of me and has always given me the jobs that I didn't even know I was looking for. And yet then would see and go, wow, they did a really good job. Like I am a perfect fit for this job and I would love to apply for it. And that got me some interviews and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, things, things worked out pretty good in the end. And that's because LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. And LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Gavin, we're back in and we've got some updates on OG Ananobi and Mitchell Robinson as well, uh, which is great. Uh, so we have we have a, a little bit going on here. So Mitch and OG are not practicing just yet. Um, we've got some updates that have kind of trickled in. So OG said on Tuesday that he for sure expects to return before the end of the regular season and be available for the playoffs. So that's great. Uh, according to Peter Body, uh, or sorry, according to Fred Katz of The Athletic, he's expected to be reevaluated around March 1st and resume on-court activities not longer after that, uh, which is what Katz is hearing. So that's good news because one would think, since it's an elbow injury, he should be able to, it, he sh should have been able to keep his cardio up this whole time which means just getting comfortable with flexing his elbow again and then boom, ready to go. Uh, hopefully as soon as he's clear and that they say that enough is, has healed in that elbow. And then uh, Fred Katz also had uh, that Mitchell Robinson is on track to resume, resume on-court work not long after the All-Star break, though it remains to be seen whether or not he'll return this season. However, then Brian Windhorst on NBA Today today said uh, after updating on Randall and Ananobi and echoing many of the same things that we've heard here already said, I think the most important one to watch is Mitchell Robinson. The fact that he is moving in the right direction could come back in March is huge. So that's what Brian Windhorst said on NBA today. And then Mitch himself broke some news by posting a TikTok of him at the Knicks practice facility with no boot on uh, getting ready to get some work in. So that's obviously a great sign too, Gavin. Uh, I think it's varying degrees for Mitch and Ananobi. Because obviously Mitch is in another one of those lower body injury situations that he's found himself in his career where he's going to have to just really bust his butt for the next few weeks to try to get his win back uh, and get back in like NBA game shape. Luckily, he should be able to just spell Isaiah Hartenstein, who's been playing so well, which will be helpful. 
Uh, but Ananobi, I think it sounds like good news too. Like on both those fronts, other than the the sort of ominous note about it's hopeful or it remains to be seen if Mitch will return this season. I'm I'm mm-hmm. feeling pretty good about both those guys as well. Yeah, I think Ananobi is the the best news. I mean, you, you you turn around and look at your calendars, February 22nd, right? Like 10 days away, basically, or or less from from OG Ananobi, like at, at least like kind of starting the process of coming back. And like if if he only misses 10 more games, like obviously that's not ideal for the Knicks, but he is going to like, look, the, again, like the Knicks to, to hit their ceiling need Julius Randle. I, I honestly think for the Knicks to be a definitive favorite in their first round series, like maybe with with, with certain matchups aside, um, they're going to need Julius Randle. But OG is is almost like after Jalen Brunson, like like Randle's the ceiling raiser. Ananobi's like an incredible stabilizer for this team. I was looking the other day, Alex, out of their their um uh top eight two man combos. How how many would you guess have have OG Ananobi in them? And this is this is for the entire season, not just since they traded for him. At uh, the top eight. Yeah. I don't want to say all eight, even though my heart says that. Um, I'll say seven just to hedge a little bit. It's all eight. It's all it eight. is all eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah your heart, your heart was really, trust your heart, man. It's always, it's always I should have trust my listen to your heart. Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> trust trust your heart and Stein. Um, but yeah, uh he, or or I guess I could have just said heart there for the punch. Just Anyways, heart, yeah, um anyway. yeah, there we go. Um oh uh, yeah, we're, we're, you could tell we're, we're not a lot of content in this episode, but um oh, gee. Um yeah, I think I think that is that that is really good news ultimately. And like and I I, I think people will, I mean, maybe, maybe not just because they, they played, I think Julius missed like a game or maybe Brunson missed a game since they've gotten OG. But um, I think people will be surprised at like how close to like dominant this team looks with everyone, but Randall and even everyone, but Randall and Mitch once Ananobi's back. Like, I think, I think they get just so much better the second he steps back on the court. Um, Mitch, like honestly could have a somewhat similar effect. Like it's almost mitigated a little bit just because precious Achua has played so much better Alex than I think any of us thought. And like, I don't know, I'll just like, before I get into it, like, I'll just, I'll just throw this over to you, but like coming out of the all-star break, like if, if you, I mean, I guess this is before Randall got hurt, but if you'd asked me like, all right, what's, what's kind of the biggest problem around this team? I was going to say, man, they they didn't find a way to get a backup center. Like, like they are just screwed in, in any minutes that Hardenstein is not on the court. And that just hasn't been the case. So like, you hope you get Mitch back, but he's like increasingly like at least I'm viewing him as a little bit more of a luxury piece than a necessity at this point. Yeah, I kind of am too. I mean, it was, uh, I found it kind of funny. And I mean, this is maybe just cause he's like a national guy, but mm-hmm. when Windhorse was talking about him being like, uh, arguably the most important of the three guys I'm about to say is Mitchell Robinson. I'm like, wow. Yeah. I don't, I don't know about that, man. Like, I don't know if yeah. that's, he's, I, and I love Mitch like, but the yeah. fact is, is that the two guys is two understudies have stepped up huge and precious was the one that, Nobody saw that coming from like everybody knew that Hartenstein was going to be awesome um, because he has been like ever since like midway through last year, he's been playing at like a starter level. So you kind of knew that he was going to be able to step right in precious being able to do a lot of the same stuff that both those guys do as far as the dominant rebounding, the dominant offensive rebounding and even some rim protection now has been huge for the Knicks. Like it means that they're they're set at center now as long as they can have two of those guys going. Um, I, I think that they're. You know, they're they're more than good enough to, you know, absorb possibly not getting Mitch back, but getting him back would mean I mean, unfortunately, it probably means Precious goes back to not playing or barely playing. Um, unless it's maybe spelling Randall now instead. Cause I I think that he has shown that because of his like ball handling ability from the perimeter and like at least fake version of being able to shoot, that he's like 
you know, he can he can do that. Like he can be the the backup four. Um, but either way, I, I think you just kind of set yourself up where you can have that fully dominant defense, offensive rebounding, and all that for all 48 minutes. But otherwise, you get like a 80% version with Presh Sachua, which is probably more than enough as the backup center. Yeah. And and look, like if they if they get a version of Mitch that I mean, you you were you were talking about this pre-show, just like it's it's gonna be a lot of a lot of cardio for him. It's something DJ mentioned also, like that's something that in the past has been an issue for him. And I think the, the biggest difference the last year and a half it has been that he's finally figured that out and and has gotten pretty exceptional in that capacity. He's sort of the one guy of these three that like hasn't been able to run for this entire stretch. But like to me, like in the playoffs, like you're ideally playing Mitch like 18 to 20 minutes a game. And that that's kind of at the most. And like that version of him going all out, like I, I do think he's going to be able to change games. And then Precious is someone like to your point, like you can use at the four and it's just going to kind of be on Tom Thibodeau to be like, like he has like all these great pieces at his disposal now. And it's just like how and when to deploy them. And like, what's the right series for Bojan Bogdanovich? What's the right series for Precious Achua? But the, the even even if Tibbs isn't ultimately the best at doing that and mixing and matching and, and even as a game goes along like improvising and changing matchups and stuff the more pieces he has to choose from like obviously the better because I, I I do think going into a series like I question his ability to adjust on the fly but going into a series like he's generally going to make good decisions on who should play and who who shouldn't play or at least at least you hope is maybe last year that wasn't always the case but you know what Alex it's, it's a new year I'm optimistic. Well, and if you want to spread a little bit of that optimism about Tibbs's uh, coaching choices here, Gavin, I understand that you maybe have something good to tell everybody here about our friends over at FanDuel. Absolutely, Alex. You nailed it. Uh, you can get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel America's. Number one sportsbook is right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's 150 bucks if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. One of those exclusive props is uh, the NBA coach of the year. Uh, Mark Dagnalt has the top odds at plus 190. I give you that number to tell you how much of an underdog our boy Tibbs is. He's plus 2,500 below Joe Missoula, Rick Carlisle, Tyron Lue, J.B. Bickerstaff, Chris Fitch. I am putting some money on my boy, Tom Thibodeau. If this team gets a little bit healthy earlier than expected, the Cavs, as, as you would expect, regress to the mean a little bit. The Bucks continue to fall apart under a worst coach of the year, Doc Rivers. Uh, there's a chance the Knicks get the two seeds. The Knicks get the two seed with all these injuries, man. You got to give some votes to Tommy Tibbs. So I've, I'm, I'm putting some money down. On that one, if you want to join me, visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. All right, let's get into the schedule. Uh, third segment, maybe the one, maybe the one I was looking forward to the most because we, we've given you all the injury information, but now we actually get to apply it, Alex. It, it's a... It's a tough stretch for the Knicks coming out of the All-Star break, which is a bummer because they really could have used some easy games with a four-game losing streak, teetering a little bit on the edge of falling out of the race for the two-seed in the Eastern Conference. They're four games back of the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're only one and a half back, though, of the Milwaukee Bucks. And if they can just top the Bucks and get into that three-seed, you get out of the Celtics side of the bracket. You set up a first-round matchup with a Pacers team that is talented, but I think we would both have every bit of confidence the Knicks could ultimately beat. You also, by not getting all the way to the two, 
You avoid the Miami Heat in the first round, at least as of now. Only half a game separates those two teams to take all this. With a big grain of salt, the biggest thing is you avoid the Boston Celtics and you set up a potential second-round matchup with the Cavs, which would be the dream because we kill the Cavs. But before any of that happens, Alex, they have to get through the second-half schedule. And as I noted, first six games are tough. Sixers, Celtics, Pistons, Pelicans, Warriors, and Cavs. Like that, that That's where I'm looking. Like what, What's kind of the key stretch to you here as the Knicks get healthy? I mean, I also think that those first six games are going to be key because it's going to be like, all right, how well how well can they integrate these new guys? Because like Bojan and Burks clearly needed some some time, especially mm-hmm. Bojan. I think looked like he didn't quite know what to do with himself on this team just yet. Didn't know if he was supposed to be initiating or you know kind of working off the ball. Like so, hopefully they define what his role is going to be and if he's going to continue to come off the bench. If they're going to go ahead and just finally be like okay, yeah, let's start you and, you know, start you next to Hartenstein because now we can have Hartenstein and Precious, you know, back as that center rotation. So hopefully that's enough backline defense, you know, whatever. But I think it's going to be telling, like, what the first starting lineup is as to how the Knicks plan to absorb, you know, still being without Randall for at least, if, uh, at least I would say the first five or so games uh, coming back. And then, you know, what it's going to be like, uh, you know, being without OG for a while and all that. Like they're going to need to figure out a rotation that works slightly better than the like one that they hobbled into the all-star break with, which of course they were hobbling. Like some of the guys that are even going to be playing now or were not playing right before the all-star break, which is why things were so rough there. But I will say, I don't think the stretch is super hard just in the sense of they have four out of six home games to start off, which is nice. And then a lot more home games to go. Like this is where having that really tough schedule early in the year and being on the road so much pays off because Mm -hmm. they kept their head above water and then some and managed to get to this point where they are in striking distance of a three seed. And like the bucks, like without a bunch of injuries are also free falling. And they were before the all-star break because things just seem not good there. And we have doc rivers coming out of the all-star break being like, yeah, well, I mean, it's tough, but you know, I'm not willing to accept any responsibility and all this (laughs) drama of, you know, JJ Reddick calling him out and then every player, you know, either agreeing vehemently with him or saying that JJ is ungrateful or whatever. Um, you know, there's a lot of drama going on in Milwaukee right now with comments coming out from players and coach alike. So I think that's attainable. Um, yeah. I think the big thing is just going to be how well can the Knicks next man up this whole thing until they're back to full strength. And if, most of the season, short of when they were like ultra injured, is any indication? I, I think they should be all right as long as they get the two new guys properly integrated. Yeah, I, I do think I think it's going to get worse before it gets better in, in my mind. Like, like let's just like like we can say like this. I, I think they probably go two and four. Like I think I think they definitely beat the Pistons. I kind of think they beat the Sixers down Joel Embiid. There will be a Kyle Lowry's debut and Tobias Harris is healthy for them. Plus Tyrese Maxey, like still a team certainly capable of winning on any given night, but let's just say they, they beat the Sixers, lose the Celtics, beat the Pistons. I think probably like, like there's like, if they could just take one out of three of Pelicans at home, Warriors at home and Cavs on the road, which like with how tough this team is, like that's doable. And, and I think like the same way I was saying like, OGs like, like a stabilizer for them. Um, like even a level below that, like Hartenstein is like, like OG takes them from like above average to, solidly good to very good while then Randall could take them to great Hartenstein takes them from below average to average to good I think um 
so that is to me like like him just not getting hurt a third time is the biggest thing here because I'm with you. Like I, I think that is a big part of the reason you saw like I like you we were both getting into in the Rockets game, right? Where they like I think that was the game where they didn't play Bojan Bogdanovich the whole third quarter, like and like we how weird we both thought that was. But to me, like a big part of that is just not having Hartenstein and not having like somebody who's really confident as a rim projector. He's like, all right, if I'm not having my safety blanket there, like I can't play a total sieve somewhere else. But having Bogey on the floor and having Hartenstein to stabilize things on both ends, and then you get the ceiling of Bogey like being an explosive shooter, um, should fix things. So again, you go three and three in that stretch. Like I think you are very solidly positioned. And then let's just say you get OG back by the Sixers game, like the next one on March 10th. That's really good because you have those back-to-back Sixers games at home, and that's that's a run of of eight home games in nine, and then you finish with eleven of your last fifteen on the road. So that's when you want to get healthy. That March fourteenth game against the Trailblazers. Like if the Knicks are close to whole, and like maybe that means Julius Randle's just coming back at that point. I think it sets them up to finish really well. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I I would go so far as to say I would not be surprised if. OG is back by that Hawks game, honestly, on March 5th. Like the way that things are sounding, I, it seems like very shortly after he gets cleared, he yeah. should be back on the court. Like I just yeah. can't see a world where he's not because it's not a lower body injury. It's just going to be like, is range of motion back? Is the incision fully healed? You know, okay, then good. Let's, let's roll, you know, because mm-hmm. that's all you need. Like they just can't have him on an arm extension, have his, you know, his wound reopen again. And, you know, then you, you start from square zero again, you know? So it's like, uh, but as long as they feel confident in that, and that will have been about three and a half, four weeks. Yeah. Well, Mar- March 1st is when he's reevaluated. So that would be like a four day turnaround from that. Yeah. Which is a I little tight, but, but to your point, maybe, maybe it's not crazy because, lot, because his cardio should be fine. Like there's no, and we've seen that. like, Joe Johnson, for example, came back in what 19 days, something like that. Yes, yeah, total, total, total. Yep. Mm-hmm. Total. So that would about line up, you know. So I, I think he might be back by then. And honestly, it's a pretty cream puff stretch from there through the end of March. Like most of the month of March is not going to be all that hard. Like you start with the Cavs, obviously, which is tough, but then you get the Hawks at home uh, at Madison Square Garden. You get the Magic at home, which the Knicks should be motivated to win that game because they've lost yeah. the Magic too often this year. Three I feel time, like they're going to win three so far. We're not going to get swept by yeah. it. We can't get swept I, by the Magic. I feel yeah. like they're going to bring it for that one. Then yeah. again, like you said, back to back Sixers uh, at Madison Square Garden without Joel Embiid, like it, hopefully getting healthier. That should be, and they stomped them even with Joel Embiid the last time mm-hmm. they played. So, I mean, that's pretty solid. Blazers, we saw what happened the last time they played the Blazers. Uh, they get the Kings on the road. So this is all part of a road trip, which, you know, is a little less than ideal, but like uh, Kings are beatable for sure. Warriors beatable for sure. And then the Nuggets who the Knicks for whatever reason play really well, although it's going to be in mile high, which has always been an Achilles for them. But then you come back home, you have the Nets at home, the Pistons at home, go on the road to face the Raptors and then go on the road to face the Spurs. Like, I mean, if, if they could do well in that initial six game stretch that ends with the Cavs game, they might have another like wild, like how many games is that total? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. They might have another like ten and two stretch in them because it's it's honestly a really easy schedule, I think, yeah. at least for this team. So who knows? Like as they progressively get healthier and healthier, like I don't know, we might we might be in for a really good stretch if they can weather that first bit. 
Yeah, and and we can end on this. I mentioned it the other day, but like I think the last four games of the season, like if things are really tight, they get they they get to travel to the Bulls twice. Like that that should be two wins. Maybe not automatic because DeMar DeRozan could always have a big game and, and, and screw your life up, but they should be able to beat the Bulls twice. They get the Bucks, like which is a game that might ultimately decide the three seed, and that's that's gonna be a lot of fun. But again, they should be fully healthy and like Randall should have a rhythm by then if nothing goes wrong. And very last game of the year, you get a Celtics team that like should have the one seed, like unless the Cavs just continue to be on an utter heater, like totally locked up. I think what what is it? Boston is currently up six games for the one seed. They're, yeah, they're currently up six games to one. So they should be resting everyone for that game. Like the Knicks have a great opportunity, I think, like despite everything to somehow get to three, especially because Philly's the only team breathing down their neck right now. And like MB is likely going to be out pretty much the rest of the regular season. Um, this is this is a long winded way of all of both of us saying for everyone to just take a deep breath and like things are still on track for the Knicks. They are only precipitous in the sense that there there are it feels like there's a lot of balls in the air. But I guess I would just like caution everyone with like Randall and Mitch, I think, are the only two where there's like real ambiguity there. And like, granted, if like Hartenstein aggravates his Achilles one more time, that's where you really start sweating and, and getting worried about it. But until that happens, like, I'm not going to say the Knicks are sitting pretty just because again, like Randall can make or break them single-handedly, but they're, they're in a pretty good spot. Yeah, I think so too. I also think, what did you have the last game as Boston? It's, isn't it Boston? Am I crazy? They got Brooklyn and Chicago at home after that too. So, oh, I'm looking at ESPN schedule. They have a cutoff on April 11th. Oh, weird. That's, You're right. Yep, that is not their last game. Okay, so then, yeah, that's an even easier finish than I. So they even get three easier. Three games easier. against the Bulls in the last seven. Wow. Three games against the Bulls in the last seven. Yeah. When they should be fully throwing the towel in and being like draft pick, draft pick, draft pick, and then yeah, Boston and and uh, Brooklyn and Milwaukee, and you know we'll see where Milwaukee's at by that point, but. Yeah, I think they're sitting pretty too. As long as they get healthy, like, and I, I'm not at all worried about Randall not coming back or something. And I'm not at all worried about Mitch not coming back. I'm definitely not worried about OG not coming back. It's just going to be how well do they come back? Are they able to stay healthy beyond that? You know, you know that with OG, that's one of the biggest risks with him is that he's so mm-hmm. talented, but he has a history of injury issues. And this year's one seems more of the freak variety because he like fell and chipped his elbow earlier this season, which is not like exactly a, oh, he had a knee or ankle issue. You know, it's just like, now he chipped his elbow and it became too much to bear. So he had to get it removed so that he can hopefully make it for the playoffs and be good. Otherwise, I mean, he looked good physically, athletically, you know, being able to get up and all that stuff and, and, you know, go for dunks and all that. So hopefully none of that changes. Mitch, you know, again, lower body injuries have followed him around. Hopefully he's able to just come back and be nice and strong. And then Randall obviously is the big one where it's just like, essentially, I think he's going to come back and then you're just going to hope and pray that nobody does a uh, Kevin Garnett on Carmelo Anthony in the 2013 playoffs to him and tries to rip his shoulder out of its socket again. Um, And as long as nobody does that and he doesn't take a weird angle or something, hopefully you're doing all right. So I, I feel good about the end of the season, you know, even if they don't end up a top three seed or something, it's still a success, I think. And I think that as long as this team is healthy, no matter what, even if they slip to a five seed or something, they're always going to have a chance because they're that deep and they're that talented when they're at full strength that I think they could pretty much beat anyone. So I'm feeling pretty good going in the second half of the season too. Yep. Second Happy half, days. Yeah, second. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, 27 games. Anyways, uh, he's Alex. I'm Gavin. Uh, we're optimistic. We'll, we'll see if we'll see if we're rightfully optimistic uh, tomorrow night. Maybe we'll be really bummed. But until then, uh, we'll talk to you very, very soon on Locked on Knicks.